0: Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. I'm Kira Smith, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Molly McDonald, who is the founder of Pink Fund. Molly, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. Would you like to start off giving a little uh, brief intro about yourself?
1: Certainly. So um, with respect to the work that I have the privilege to do now, um, which is mission-based, um, I had was diagnosed at a time of job transition. I'd been through a financially devastating divorce. Had five young children and was thrust back into the workforce after being out 12 years wiping butts and noses. And my previous um, career was in print journalism, and that world had changed dramatically, and it was really hard for me to re enter. So I eventually segued my career into sales because it didn't really matter where I was, had five kids, an aging mother, I was in that sandwich generation. And as long as I was selling, They didn't care. So I was always making my numbers. I was really good at this particular job. And I wanted to open a woman-owned division of a company that was producing this product um, that I sold, which is large and grand format graphics out of Kentucky, and quit my job, got my mammogram, got a callback, had a biopsy. And on Friday, April 1st, I got the call from my OBGYN, who had delivered all five of my children, delivering what for this year will be a death notice for about 50,000 women in the U.S. I had breast cancer, but my disease was early stage and it was unlikely to take my life, but it did take my livelihood. So I didn't have that job opportunity. And without my income and the addition of a $1,300 a month COBRA premium, because this was pre-ACA, I didn't have any income. I had no child support, no alimony, and there I was left bereft. And I wasn't eligible for Medicaid because at the time um, Medicaid was predicated on your previous year's tax return. So now, you know, if if you have a change in circumstances and your income drops through the ACA, you may be eligible for Medicaid. So I'm in treatment, can't make my house payment, house falls into foreclosure. Every fifty-eight days, Ford Credit is asking if I'm, you know, planning to make a payment on my vehicle, or should they plan to repo my car. And then at the end of my treatment, the utility companies, which often will allow people to make small incremental payments, had become quite impatient and were threatening shut up. So I was looking at literally becoming homeless. And the real sort of the Oprah Aha moment that launched the Pink Fund was listening to other women in the treatment waiting rooms who had much more aggressive disease, longer-term treatment protocols, inability to work, and they were concerned that their treatment protocol would outlast their Federal Medical Leave Act benefit, and they would be left without a job. So they were talking about stopping treatment and going back to work, and that was it. I was like, what? So they were making a choice between their actual lives and their livelihood so i had i remarried and still married this wonderful man um 21 years call him tom terrific because i say you have to be pretty terrific to marry a middle-aged woman with five children night sweats and a mildly demented mother um and i went home to tom and i said i have this idea Um, and by the way my husband was working at the time but he worked in the luxury piano business so his income was not steady Uh, he worked on the concert stage as a Piano technicians. So, when performing artists come to the Detroit area, they'll use him. So, we had some money. We could make that Cobra premium, but we couldn't make all the other bills. Anyway, went home to Tom, said, I have this idea. I think we should pay these women's non medical bills to their creditors for 90 days while they're on leave, provide some kind of financial bridge, and um, hopefully that will impact their ability to complete their treatment protocol. And he looked at me like I had two heads. He said, well, you've not only lost your right breast, but now you've lost your head. So, but he went along with it. So we launched. And I've got just fast forward this month, we will have paid out seven point three million dollars in bills to patients creditors for housing, transportation, utilities, and insurance nationwide.
0: That's absolutely incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Um and Pink Fund is obviously a a really unique organization that does some wonderful work. Um, So I'd love to hear more about it. Uh, What is some of the uh, specific work that the organization does to help breast cancer uh, patients and survivors?
1: So we're very kind of very simple. We stayed on our mission. Basically, the way our program works, which is essential to the understanding of your viewers, listeners, is that women or men who experience a breast cancer diagnosis and have experienced a loss of household income. So either they or a spouse or domestic partner has lost income and they're not able to make their basic bills. They can apply for support from us um, and we will provide up to three months and a cap of about $3,000 in financial assistance. The household income, um, the the criteria for qualifying is that loss of income in the household, that your household income is at or below 500% of the federal poverty level. So to give you an idea, that charts on our website under Get Help. But to give you an idea, for a single person in this country in 2023, that's about $74,000. In some zip codes, that puts you well below the poverty level, the federal poverty level. but allows us in other zip codes to kind of bring in the middle class that is often left out of supportive services. So many supportive services, not only for copay assistance, which is medical assistance, you know, um, or the kind of support we have their poverty level, they, they will look at like maybe 250% or 300% of the federal poverty level. And we feel that this differentiates our program because People in the middle class are just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable, to falling into a poverty situation because of a critical illness like cancer.
0: Um, if anyone is interested in um, learning more about Pink Fund um, or interested in learning more about how to receive assistance, how should they uh, go about finding out more information?
1: So, go to our website, click on Get Help. You will be asked five pre-qualifying questions. One is. Are you an active treatment for breast cancer? Which by our definition means mastectomy, chemotherapy, radiation therapy. It does not include reconstruction months, years after your initial treatment plan, And it does not include what we call the aromatase inhibitors, the tamoxifen or aromidex that you are prescribed to take for up to 10 years. So active treatment, household income at or below 500% of the federal poverty level a um, demonstrated loss of income. And then we will. you'll provide your email address once you've answered those questions, and we'll email you the application. The application is um, sometimes challenging for patients. We ask for a lot of information because we are good stewards of the donor dollar. So I look at it this way. For every dollar that a donor gives us, we want to know if we're spending it wisely. So while people can tell us their narrative and their story, which they do, and those stories are heartbreaking, um, all our decisions are based on a fully filled out application with supporting documentation. So supporting documentation looks like a copy of your federal income tax return, Uh, two Mm -hmm. months of bank statements, Um, copies of the bills you want paid, and a copy of a driver's license, and then we get some of your medical information. There's a personal form that you fill out where you identify your name, age, who's in the household, all those kinds of things. Then that application is processed, um, put into a database, and then on the second Monday of every month, a volunteer group of um, individuals come in and work in pairs or threes, review that application, and then help make funding decisions on how to best help the patient over the three months that we um, are able to provide support.
0: Awesome, it's great to know. And we'll definitely, um, you know, share the, the link to your website and everything that way anybody who's interested can learn more. Um, so to switch gears a little bit, um, since the majority of our audience is clinicians, um, we do have a lot of uh, patient viewers as well, but um, we do, our target audience has historically been um, oncology clinicians. Um is there anything that um, these healthcare professionals can do to help alleviate financial toxicity that their patients are experiencing?
1: Well, it's very difficult for a patient at the beginning of a diagnostic um, testing and presentation of a treatment protocol to understand if they're going to experience financial toxicity. Um, two things happen. They're in a complete brain fog, you know, w- what you know trying to digest, not only the diagnosis, but what the treatment protocols looks like. So one of the things that's really important on the clinician side is to have a discussion about do you have any concerns about being able to get to treatment? So transportation is a huge issue, right? In some cities you have public transit, but in rural areas you've got to have a car and you may have to drive several hours to a major cancer center. Um are you concerned that you may not be able to work following your chemo infusions. And those things need to be discussed, but these are very real possibilities. Some people go through chemo. My husband's going through chemo right now for um, head and neck cancer, and he comes to work every day, uh, gets there at one, and he'll work until eight or nine o'clock at night and then come home and sleep. But he's able to adjust his schedule. Many people are not able to work with an employer that way, particularly if you're working in retail and you have set hours. So two things that have to happen. A lot of people think about the cost of of cancer treatment as the medical costs. So what is your deductible? What is your copay? Those things need to be discussed in the provider setting, probably not from the, well, I don't know if it would be the clinician, but if there's a patient navigator or a financial navigator or a social worker, those discussions need to take place. And they need to take place early on because often what we find out is, patients get to us closer to the end of treatment when all hell is breaking loose. Like in my house, my my situation, my home went into foreclosure. Um, I was able to rescue it with the help of my mother, but that would have left us in a terrible situation and we would not have been able to even rent an apartment. So when I said we could be homeless, we could, we could truly have been homeless. So, and often in the clinical setting, you know, their job is to cure the patient. To treat the patient, but they don't understand that financial toxicity is, is a piece of it. So we've got transportation barriers, we've got loss of income barriers, and then we have a new term that I just learned about called time toxicity barriers. Like how much time am I going to have to arrange for a sitter for my children? Or how much time is it going to take me to get to the treatment center? So these conversations I think need to be done um sensitively and, and carefully because. Patients are already in a very vulnerable state. They're often concerned that if they express any concern around not being able to afford their care, that they will not receive the best care. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So we've had people tell us, well, my doctor said that they could give me a lower dose of chemo so my side effects wouldn't be as acute. Well, in my mind, a lower dose of chemo might mean an increased risk for recurrence down the road. So... My suggestion is, is that these conversations take place and that the patient um, who may be an introvert and also vulnerable and scared and flooded with all this emotion and can't think should bring an advocate with them, whether that be a spouse, a friend, another person who's been in treatment for cancer, somebody who will speak up for them so that they don't have to speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a very effective thing to do because that makes that advocate the bad guy or good guy. And the patient is just can be the patient. The other beauty of having the advocate with you in a meeting is that um, they can take notes for you, right? And then after the end of the meeting, you can review what you think you heard. And often what we're told is what the patient hears and what the advocate has written down are not the same. So, and then again, I think that you need to check in with the patient when they come in for... You know, monthly well, I don't or infusions mm-hmm. along the the treatment plan, the protocol, the timeline. I think you need to continue to check in. Are you okay? Are you able to work? If you're not able to work, how much, how many hours are you losing, or how much income, so that they can begin to point them towards resources. The most important thing is to that treatment adherence is not impacted because of loss of income. Mm-hmm. When treatment adherence is impacted and you leave that chemo chair, they, they that patient is not going to call you and say, I'm not coming to chemo today because I can't get there. They're too embarrassed. So now you have a chair that's left, you have a provider setting that they're not able to bill on that. I mean, it, it becomes a whole holistic problem. So just checking in on the financial well-being of patients and caregivers along the treatment protocol is best. So Well, the Pink Fund works exclusively in the breast cancer space. We know, of course, there's all kinds of uh, disease states for cancer, right? Mm -hmm. So one of the other national organizations that's a great one is um, Cancer Care. Mm -hmm. So they'll provide other resources but financial support. Triage Cancer is a fabulous website for all kinds of things legal and insurance. So, and they also, both of those organizations list resources. And then on this medication assistance side, probably your clinicians know about this, but there's the Patient Advocate Foundation, Patient Access Network Foundation, and HealthWell are the three big ones that can help with medication support. And we know that they call it, you know, you all know it's called prescription abandonment, where, you know, the prescription is filled, um, but the patient doesn't pick it up because they can't afford the copay.
0: Great. Thank you. Those are all really helpful resources and um, definitely great ones that clinicians can help share with their patients. Um, so my final question for you is, uh, since October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, what are some of the, are there any messages you would like to share with either uh, patients or clinicians in hopes of raising more awareness of financial toxicity?
1: So we kind of call October Breast Cancer Unawareness Month. And I don't have my ribbon here, but we kind of turn that pink ribbon upside down is to show a sign of distress. So people are very much aware, I believe, that one in eight women will be diagnosed in the U.S. with breast cancer in her lifetime, that about 2,000 men will be diagnosed. That's something that people are very much unaware of is that men get breast cancer and men don't check their breasts. You know, unlike women who are told to feel it on the first and know about their breast health, if a man feels a lump, he doesn't think anything of it so often until it's maybe really bulging out or uh, weeping, they don't get checked. So I would say that that's something to really do more education around. And we'll be doing that in November at Pink Fund. The issue around financial toxicity is it's not just insurance copays and deductibles. I think it's really that lost income. When those things all collide, that's when life begins to fall apart. And I like to wrap this up in, with one thing, I describe your life as a Jenga tower. So if you've ever played Jenga with those blocks of wood, right, and you get a cancer diagnosis, regardless of what type of cancer, immediately the foundation of your life is rocked. And that middle block is not the one that's pulled out. It's the one on the right or the left. And then you find out that that insurance plan that you elected had a very high deductible, but you never thought you'd get cancer. It wasn't in your family. You had no knowledge of any genetic predisposition to get cancer. And oh, by the way, it's November and that deductible is going to reset in January. So things are in your life is full of holes. And and you've sat with your treatment team and been told, you know, you probably aren't going to be able to work two or three days after chemo. You may have to take time off. So now we've got high deductibles and lost income and no work. And what do you tell your employer? So but what I say is your your life is starting to do this, you know, it's swaying and it's not collapsing yet, but it's swaying. And then all in Jenga, you know, those blocks, that pressure keeps mounting and that affects your mental and emotional health. So organizations like Pink Fund come along and we don't fix this problem permanently. We, we come along like scaffolding. We're, we're trying to hold you together for a period of time and hope that we get you through the treatment protocol and on towards survivorship and that we can also point you to other resources to cobble together more support.
0: Great, that's a really great analogy um so thank you so much for for sharing these messages and for telling us more about pink fund um it's really a fantastic organization and i'm looking forward to sharing information with it about it with our audience Um, thank you so
1: much and if anybody has any questions or concerns we have a community outreach manager Uh, Rosalind Sample, but you can email info at thepinkfund.org. And she will actually produce um, Zoom or Teams meetings for you and your teams to learn how to fill out our application and to find out other resources for your patients.
0: Awesome. It's great to know. Well, thank you so much again for, for sharing all this today. It was really great talking with you. Thank you, Kira.